The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, everyone, and wow, are you in for a great show today. It is always so exciting to have a presidential appointee, a leader in the federal government, a leader that cares about people with disabilities on the show, and today we have the new director of the Office of Personnel Management, Director Catherine Archuleta. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure, Joyce, to be here with you and your listeners. Well, Director Archuleta, it is an honor for us to have you on the show uh, because uh, not only are you new to the position, but immediately you reached out to the disability community. I cannot say everyone has done that, but for those of you listening to the show, when I say immediately, I mean immediately. So this is a champion for all of us. So, Director uh, Archuleta, how about if you start... For those on listeners not familiar with OPM, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about the important services your agency provides? Well, uh, thank you again for the opportunity to be with you, Joyce. And first of all, I want to thank you for all the wonderful work you do in the disability community. Your leadership with uh, the private and public sector employers has been uh, just terrific. You've opened so many doors for people with disabilities, and the American workforce is more diverse because of your labor. So thank you very much on behalf of all of us. Thank you. Um, Coming from you, that's a great honor. Thank you very thank much. You. My pleasure. As, you know, as director uh, of OPM, people often ask me, what, you know, what really does OPM do? And my job is, the, the, is in simple terms, the HR manager for the federal government. So I am uh, looking at uh, in, in expanding the work that uh, John Barry did in making federal government the model employer for the 21st century. I want to help find ways to honor government employees here and around the world, create a workforce that is engaged, innovative, exclusive, and reflects the brilliant mosaic of the America we all serve. Through our programs, specifically, we recruit and hire the best talent from every community. We train and motivate employees to achieve, to achieve their greatest potential. And we promote an inclusive workforce defined by diverse perspectives. We provide human resources, leadership, and support to federal agencies and help all of our federal employees reach their aspirations as they serve the American people. We develop leaders, train staff, bring in top talent, and make sure that their service is honored. And we're responsible for keeping the government running smoothly by providing the talent uh, to help our leaders do just that. 
So it's a great job. I'm thrilled to be here. Wow. Well, that is a great job and a big job. I know another thing you're responsible for. Snow, closing down for snow. Oh, you know, I haven't talked about that yet. You know, one of the things they didn't tell me about this job was that I would be the weather girl uh, (laughs) for the federal government. So uh, last year, in the last year of John Barry's um, uh, uh, tenure here at OPM, he, I think, only had a few, a handful of phone calls. And uh, so far, I've had, I think, either 11 or 12 no phone calls, and most of them at 3 a.m. in the morning. So uh, I'm hoping for sunny days. I look out my window every day and hope that the Weather Bureau is uh, leaning towards a sunny and bright. Well, yes, that is quite a responsibility. It's like a million high schools you have to make a decision for I know. at the same I, time. Hey, I'm Director Archuleta, I'm sorry, we have a caller on the line right now. Uh, for you, caller, go ahead. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Well, I'm calling to thank you for all you're doing to help us in the disability community. Uh, the fact that the president has decided to go ahead and uh, have more people uh, in the federal uh, force to be hired who have disabilities, plus with 503, uh, this is a great opportunity for our community to of fine jobs, good-paying jobs, and so forth. And I know that you're leading an effort on that. As a matter of fact, we have a meeting next week to pursue pursue that. So I just want to make sure that all of Joyce's listeners know just what you're doing, how dedicated you've been to trying to make a difference for those of us in the disability community. Excuse me me one minute. Uh, I'm assuming all of my listeners know this voice because everyone knows he is my mentor and one of the greatest leaders in America. But in case you don't know, this is the Honorable Tony Coelho who called in. So sorry about that, Tony. Just a little interruption. Go ahead, Director. Well, Tony, I recognize your voice, so uh, thank you. It's a great honor for you to be my first caller and certainly uh, one of the first persons I called when I took office here at OPM. And You know, uh, I am here, and I get to take a lot of credit for the work that you all did. So I am just honored to be here and to be leading uh, in the next iteration of our work with the disability community. But I, I, you know, I would be very remiss if I didn't honor you and the dedication you've given for now decades to this important cause. And uh, so thank you for those kind words, and uh, obviously uh, I'm very honored to receive them. Thank you. Uh, the important thing is we have done a lot of work, and there's a lot of decisions that have been made, but you know as well as I do the implement, implementation of those programs, those ideas, those executive officers is the key. And that's why I am so thankful uh, that you're in this job because I know that you're not just paying lip service to the executive orders. You're actually out there aggressively working to make it happen, and that's what I love about you, and that's what you're doing, so I want to make sure all of Joyce's listeners know uh, just how dedicated you are to getting this done, so thank you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you very much. 
Penny, before you go, I know you've talked about this before, uh, but with 503 just now happening, you have talked about how our president has helped people with disabilities so much. Do you want to mention that again? Yes, I think that to a great extent, uh, I've said it to several people, that we've had people who have signed laws, we've had people uh, that have supported our efforts. But uh, as a result of 503 and, and what the director is talking about and, and federal employees, uh, the assignment that 100,000 people in the, in the federal service must be people with disabilities, um, I have said that this president is the disability president. Um, he has done more for us than anybody else. 503 could end up being um, uh, more important, in my view, along with uh, the executive order for federal employees, more important, more significant than the ADA. The reason I say that is that our civil rights is one thing, and that's critically important, uh, but having a job, having uh, pride in in what you do, uh, your ability to take care of not only yourself, your ability to take care of family and loved ones uh, because of the job, is the American dream. It's what it's all about. And those of us in the disability community have been denied that for a long, long time. Uh, a lot of us are qualified, able to do the work, want to do the work. And as I've said to the last five presidents, including this one, I know no group in America that wants to pay taxes. And all the other groups are trying to get out of paying taxes. And we want to pay taxes because that means we have a job. That means we have our self-pride. That means we can do things just like anybody else, own a house, buy a car, go to school, whatever it might take to increase our ability as an American and somebody with a job. So uh, I think what the president has done in that regard and then in regards to health care and regards to uh, people with pre-existing conditions, which is all of us in the disability community, uh, we have been denied health care for years because of that. Um, and all of a sudden now, because of the health care law, uh, those of us with pre-existing conditions, like myself, we now cannot be denied health care. Uh, that is extremely, extremely significant. Um, and so there are other things on health care uh, that take care of us and do things for us uh, so that we can be just like anybody else. But pre-existing is the big one. And when people talk about repealing Obamacare, or when they talk about replacing it, uh, the first thing I ask is, okay, what are you going to do about pre-existing conditions? And if you're going to include them, like some people who are against Obamacare say that they will include pre-existing on uh, some change, I say, how are you going to pay for it? And they don't have an answer to those questions. We have a law right now that's working that provides those of us with the disabilities with uh, the same uh, place in society as others that is our right to have health care. And so when you take that and you take the employment side and 503 and what OPM is doing in regards to federal employees, I think the director would have to agree with me that there's no president who has done more for our community than President Obama. I certainly do, Tony. I think um, I'm looking forward to, to, uh, to work that Secretary Pettis and uh, everyone at DOL is going to do in the implementation of the 503 reform, and I think you know his his direction comes certainly from the president's commitment 
to the disability community. So you're absolutely right. Well, and I might just say, as long as Joyce gives me the podium here, I might just say that Secretary Perez, um, as the head of the Office of Civil Rights in the Justice Department, and as Labor Secretary uh, in the Maryland uh, government prior, has been aggressively supporting people with disabilities all that time. Um, I think that this Justice Department, uh, under Perez's leadership in regards to enforcement of the ADA, has enforced the ADA stronger, better uh, than any other uh, past government in the last 25 years since the ADA was adopted. And uh, so I think uh, Tom, in the position as Secretary of Labor, uh, along with Pat and others, to uh, implement 503 is going to be successful because of uh, the President's commitment and Tom's experience in making things happen. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Joyce, for Oh, Tony, thank you so much. And it is thank always, you, always, always an honor to have you call in. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, wow. What a first call, huh, Director? Yes. He's well, Director, you do have a powerful history with the disability community, and I know our listeners are eager to hear more. For example, how about your work with ADAPT? Oh, um, this is a good uh, memory for me. Um, and when I was uh, with the mayor of Denver, uh, I worked with ADAPT in Denver, and it was a really interesting story because there was uh, – National Convention of ADAPT in Denver, and at that time, um, there was, uh, the bus accessibility was non-existent, and so the members of ADAPT uh, staged a picket mine around the hotel, and I was able to uh, negotiate an agreement between ADAPT and the American Public Transit Association, APTA, about uh, bus accessibility. I remember doing that in the basement of uh, the city and county building and uh, working through the points with both organizations. And as you know now, Denver is one of the most accessible um, public transportation systems in the country. And it makes me, rem- it reminds me of my dear friend Michael Winner who was, uh, who was there in Denver and uh, used at, worked with me at DOT and uh, a nice memory for me. Michael just recently passed away, so uh, it was... Uh, someone who worked very closely with me uh, while I was there. Wow, that is something. I did not know that, and I'll bet all of our listeners are really pleased to hear that. Uh, Yes, I knew Michael, too. He's a wonderful person. It was very sad to all of us in the disability community when he passed away. And uh, as a woman living with epilepsy and a hearing loss, He spent so much time trying to help refer people, you know, working on employment. So um, we, too, we, too, miss him. Uh, Director, many people I have found, just like with me, having epilepsy, like Tony having epilepsy, in my case and his, due to an accident, he, when he was only, you know, 15, me at the age of 31, uh, but many people do have a personal experience with disability. I understand your daughter, Graciela, is a cancer survivor. How about that? How is your family's experience and also your experience as a teacher influenced your work with our community? 
Well, certainly uh, my early work as a teacher uh, had me working in uh, one of the poorest neighborhoods in the Denver community, and the result of which is that I met many people who couldn't afford health care and had uh, a number of different uh, conditions and disabilities that prevented them from participating fully in uh, within the community. And it was my vow at that point to always be their spokesperson and champion uh, in terms of their participation. When my daughter uh, turned 19, she's now 26, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And uh, while she's very healthy now, what she has is a pre-existing condition that will never ever go away, and that's why the President's Affordable Care Act is so personally important to me. I've been traveling around the country and will do so for the next two weeks to talk about uh, to communities wherever I can in Texas, uh, Georgia, and later in uh, Florida about the importance of signing up for the Affordable Care Act. And it's because I'm driven uh, by my own experiences about access to health care and access for her for her health care the rest of her life. And I know that's so important to so many of your listeners and why it's so important that we have this available to us uh, within, uh, uh, with just, just within reach. So I'm hopeful that people who haven't signed up for the Affordable uh, Care Act will do so. Uh, we have till the end of this month uh, before um, the timeline expires, so I'm hopeful that uh, your listeners will t- make every effort, if they haven't already done so, to, to sign up for this uh, tremendous opportunity. Yes, I would agree with you. And just remember, uh, living children living with epilepsy, this is a pre-existing condition. That's why this Affordable Care Act is so important to all of us with various disabilities um, that, that are pre-existing conditions. So hear me now. Listen to the director, sign up, go out and sign up. Um, well, you know when Tony called, uh, as you know, he was the author of the ADA, yes. which was signed in 1990, and yet, here we are, all these years later, we've had transportation barriers come down, we've had building, getting into the building accessibility, uh, you know, voice recognition, I could go on and on, except for employment. This has been the most difficult barrier to bring down. And I know I was there at the White House when the president signed the executive order to increase the employment of Americans with disabilities by 100,000 in the federal government. And I happen to know that you have been very successful at OPM and with the government. Could you talk about that for a minute? Yes, absolutely. I'm glad to. First of all, I'd like to say that our nation is absolutely stronger because of its commitment to equal opportunity for everyone, and particularly when our federal workforce reflects the bright mosaic of the American people we serve. Our country is better for it. I'm very happy to tell you that our latest report on the employment of people with disabilities has some very exciting news. At no time in the past 32 years, that is 32 years, has the federal government hired people with disabilities at a higher rate than in 2012. And early indications are that our numbers in 2013 will be even better. 
So this success has led more people with disabilities into federal service, both in real terms and by percentage, than any time in the past three decades. But, you know, um, Joyce, uh, Wait a minute. Every- that, is, that is big. That is that phenomenal. Is I mean, that is phenomenal. And it's because of the dedication and direction of our president and also because we have the incredible administration who uh, every one of those cabinet agencies and uh, all of our offices have, um, have really dedicated themselves to this effort. You know, um, behind every one of the numbers though, that I, may, I, I list is a name. And one of the things I love best about being the director of OPM is I get to meet some of the dedicated and amazing talented people who are devoting their lives to public service. I tell these stories everywhere I go, but I want to tell you uh, in particular about one of them, Cynthia Williams. And uh, Cynthia is a Gallaudet uh, graduate. She's class of 2011. She's an OPM employee, and she became an intern in her senior year when she was finishing her degree in, um, in business management. And through our internship program, she was able to transition directly to a full-time job as a human resources specialist when she graduated. She was a little worried when she left Gallaudet, where she'd always had the support she needed, whether we at the federal government would accommodate her needs and how she would be received by her coworkers. But what, uh, what is great news is that Cynthia is not only doing great on her job, Some of her colleagues have taken sign language classes at OPM, and Cynthia sees her career for herself at OPM, and so do we. She says she wants to become a manager, let others who are deaf and hard of hearing know that it's possible, and she makes no secret of the fact that she wants to see more people with disabilities get federal jobs, and so do I. And Cynthia is not alone. Uh, There's a great example from the Department of Labor. Claudia Gordon is a woman I worked with, uh, a person with disability, and she worked with me, as I said, at the Labor Department, and now she's the White House liaison to the disability community. And, you know, Joyce, we need people, more people like Cynthia and Claudia throughout federal service. It's because of their hard work and dedication uh, that my federal employees and the disability community um, alike have, have worked to make outstanding progress toward meeting the President's goal of hiring 100,000 people with disabilities by 2015. When, you know, when we set the bar high, when we strive to push our own boundaries of thinking, we do move the needle. And that's what we've done. Uh, and uh, these numbers we, are numbers we can all be proud of. Oh, yes. That, and by the way, both of those people. I mean, the one I know the most is Claudia. Wow, is she awesome. She is so impressive. As you Isn't said, right impressive. at the White House. I know. It's so incredible. I, I, I had gone away, you know, from the Department of Labor for a couple of years and doing some other work for the president. And um, the, when I came back and learned that she was at the White House, I was so excited. I thought, what a perfect place because she's a talented, dedicated federal servant and uh, now she was doing her, her life's work at a place where uh, she could help all the rest of us in the federal agencies uh, continue to do our work well. Yes, she is awesome. And, you know, something that 
I always talk about this, that in the private sector, if you have a job opening, it takes forever to get the approvals, to move forward. I mean, this is always a huge uh, bureaucratic ordeal. But in the federal government, you have this thing called Schedule A, hiring authority for people with disabilities that just makes that so much easier. And I know the federal government is doing a lot using this authority um, at OPM. How would you say that has helped increase, and what have you done at OPM to increase its usage? Well, there are a number of things that uh, OPM, thank you for the question, OPM is doing uh, to encourage agencies to use this Schedule A hiring authority. We do extensive training in a variety of uh, formats, including online and helping hiring managers and HR professionals understand the value of Schedule A hiring authority for people with disabilities. And moreover, OPM um, uh, knows that it's vitally important to educate the disability community on how to get a job in the federal government. So working on both sides of this, not only those who can hire, but those who want to be hired. So in order to get this information out, we've been offering training programs in the community, and engaging with community partners like uh, vocational rehabilitation. In fact, uh, because of such partnerships, the federal government's success in employing people with disabilities was recognized by the Council for State Administrators for Voc Rehab when they presented OPM with the 2012 Partner of the Year Award. And along with that, we've issued final regulations simplifying Schedule A hiring process for job applicants with disabilities by relieving them of the burden of procuring the certificate of readiness as a condition of appointment. This has been something that the disability community has wanted for a long time, and now uh, we just issued the final uh, regulation, which means that uh, uh, applicants uh, with disabilities don't have to uh, uh, provide a, a paper that says uh, that they're uh, able to uh, work in the federal service. Lastly, as you know, OPM has partnered with you and your team at Bender Consulting Services to provide with a shared list of people with disabilities. This is really important because it's a database of candidates with disabilities who are eligible to apply through Schedule A hiring authority. And this shared list creates a pipeline, which is really, really important because oftentimes people don't know how to get into federal service. But with this important uh, asset, people with disabilities uh, are, uh, are known to be qualified applicants and, and have already been screened by uh, Bender. And it, it really is helpful to the employers as they uh, do interview prep and and are getting ready to uh, bring people on board. The shared list, uh, because of the work that you do in resume development and helping them get ready for the interview, helps them be ready for the employment opportunities the federal government can provide. So it's been a community effort, uh, Joyce. You've been highly engaged in that. You know, I'm so pleased to say that in fiscal year 2011, uh, there was 0.98% uh, of overall hiring in, uh, with Schedule A appoint, uh, appointees, doubling its use from uh, fiscal year 2010. 
So uh, the federal government has increased Schedule A hiring to 1.51% of overall hiring in 2012. And so uh, we're moving right along. We're increasing the numbers, which is exactly what we should be doing. So thank you for all your help. Oh, you know, it is my honor because without employment, you really are never free in this country. And to see our own federal government being the role model is just absolutely so phenomenal. As a matter of fact, when Tony called in, you know, he's worked forever on Section 503 uh, of the Rehabilitation Act, and the Department of Labor, as you well know, advanced reform regulations for affirmative action, and I wondered what advice you have for the private sector companies who are preparing for this reform as it relates to data collection, self-identification, and meeting their 7% aspirational goal that they will have not just in one category, but in all job categories. Well, once again, I'd like to thank uh, uh, Secretary uh, Perez and everyone at DOL for their work and leadership in strengthening these regulations. These new regulations will ensure that the, their qualified workers have more meaningful opportunities to find, secure, and keep good jobs with federal contractors. Uh, this work shows us just another example of how the pres- of the president's commitment to a thriving middle class and to fulfilling the American promise of equal opportunity for all. You know, I hope, I love your question about what advice we have. I just hope that the private sector will be encouraged by the federal government's success in hiring people with disabilities, that they will look to the public sector. Additionally, um, one of the keys to our growing success in hiring, pe- in, uh, hiring people with disabilities is extremely simple. We just keep track. So after hiring, we give every employee an opportunity to voluntarily self-disclose a disability because we often won't know unless we ask. And this accountability means that we can set goals, we can measure success, and know which of our policies and programs have worked for us. We can even compare with similar data going back all the way to 1973. And if you're not keeping track of things, you know you can't make things better. And as Secretary uh, Perez uh, Perez says, these new regulations are a win-win. They benefit people with disabilities who belong uh, in the economic mainstream of the nation. And they will benefit employers who do business with the federal government, increasing their access to a very large and diverse pool of qualified workers. And they will benefit the entire nation as this rule helps us fulfill the American promise of equal opportunity for all. And you know, um, diversity and inclusion is one of my goals uh, that I have set for myself to improve diversity and inclusion throughout the federal government. And I'm so grateful that uh, I'm working for a president who uh, believes exactly the same. Oh, yes. President Obama has stood up for people with disabilities. He's done so much. 
um, just Section 503 and the federal executive order of hiring the 100,000 in the federal government, just those, those two things are phenomenal. And Secretary Perez, I've known for uh, quite a while. He has always been our defender and champion, and I just think so highly of him. And I want to mention one other person, and that would be my friend Valerie Jarrett. She... She said one time on the air on this show that she was going to be the champion for people with disabilities, and I'll tell you what, she kept that promise. So I just want to mention her also. I think we have a caller on the line right now. Um, caller, go ahead. Hello? Hello? Hi, Joyce? Yes. It's Carol Glazer from the National Organization on Disability. How are you? Oh, Carol, thank you so much for calling in. And, yes, we have the director on the line with you. Yes, yes. I, wanted to, I really want to compliment both of you. Um, having, having watched 503 and so happy that the, uh, the goal applies to every single job category, uh, you know, it would have been, it, it, it could be easy, and indeed many companies do, uh, run essentially uh, segregated uh, 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 work facilities for people with disabilities that are apart from the rest of the workforce, and uh, and and they tend to relegate those to lower level positions. What's so wonderful about the rule change 503, and also uh, Director Archuleta about what you've done at OPM and and Joyce what. What you've done is that you also make sure that those jobs are filled by higher level people. One of the things that we find in our work is that uh, the the, uh, people with skills, people who are qualified for exempt level positions, often don't use the voc rehab system. And so it's harder to find them. It's hard to find them on college campuses. Um, there aren't any professional associations uh, like, like the Black MBA Association. And so uh, employers often have a very hard time sourcing candidates who have a college degree or beyond. But we know that the unemployment rate among college-educated people working age with, with disabilities is still 50%. So I really wanted to compliment both of you on the fact that you've been able to fill those higher skilled positions with people with disabilities and really ask uh, for some of the techniques that you've used to, to fill that pipeline, which is so challenging. Well, well I think it's... Go ahead, sorry, go ahead, Director. Go ahead. No, no. Well, I was just going to say, obviously, your work choice has been very valuable in doing that in... in, in uh, providing uh, the access to good candidates. But I, I, for a minute, I'd like to just do a little bit of a bird walk here and say that when, uh, when I take a look at my responsibilities as OPM director, what I, what I really need to think about is not only who we're hiring for today, but who we're hiring for tomorrow. And so as you take a look at bringing on uh, individuals, you've got to think about this pipeline that Carol mentioned. What is the pipeline for success for anybody who enters federal service, and even if they may come in at a junior level, what are we doing to train them and provide them the skills that will lead them to the next step and the next step so that they're, they become the director of OPM uh, sometime in the future? That is what our legacy has to be, and it's not only about what we do to hire, it's about what we do to retain and train. And that's one of the things that I am adamant about, and I know that I've talked to you and others about it, 
is that we've got to focus on keeping the good people that we're hiring and making sure that they feel like they're included in the decisions that are developing the policies that not affect that affect not only uh, their communities but all the work that they're engaged in uh, throughout uh, the federal government. Mm-hmm. I'm very mm-hmm. excited by um, the the emphasis that the president has put on training. His budget has included in the 2015 budget included in in, in uh, uh, and more money for training, uh, OPM is going to take the lead on that effort, and we're very, very excited. It means that we'll continue to build the pipeline. It will con- means that we can continue to build that pipeline and strengthen that pipeline, mm-hmm. especially as we see the largest uh, number of retirements we've seen in a very, very long time. And I think that's where the opportunity is in making in strengthening the diversity of the federal workforce. Yes, yeah, so true. And Carol, I just want to say how much you have done, and I know that the chairman of NOD, Governor Ridge, from, of course, one of the best states in America, (laughs) (laughs) is very, very dedicated to the employment of people with disabilities, and I know you are doing so much, and I just want to thank you for calling in. Oh, well, um, you are solving some of the most difficult issues that, that our field faces today. Um, and the, there's a, you know, there's a good long road ahead. It's a good road, but it's going to be, uh, we're going to have our challenges. And I think these are the kinds of positions we have to do just what um, Director Archuleta is talking about, which is kind of fill our own pipeline and make sure that we're offering professional development and growth opportunities for people we bring into the workforce. You know, yes. the help that I'm going to need from all of the leaders within the disability community and, frankly, from, from throughout the, the private and the nonprofit sectors is really the, the, the issue of how do we become very strategic and surgical almost in filling the very few jobs that are becoming available uh, within the federal government. You know, you know 20 years back, it, we, we, there was opportunity galore within the federal government, but now because of tightening budgets and, uh, and people understanding the value of serving within the federal government, the opportunities for hiring new folks is, is, uh, is not as, uh, how do I say, as wide. And mm-hmm. so what we need to do is be sure that even from the application uh, process to uh, the hiring process and to certainly the retention process, that we're working closely with the disability community to make sure that we're uh, providing the, the skills for them to apply uh, at every level of government, and secondly, to make sure that they get through the process and finally that we retain them once they're hired. So mm-hmm. we've got a lot of work ahead of us, but I've got good partners, as I said, in the nonprofit and uh, private sector and certainly the leadership that uh, is offered throughout the, the government led by our president. Um, I'm very excited uh, about the opportunities we'll have. That's terrific. Oh, and, and Carol, thank you so much for calling in. Oh, it's great to talk. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Oh, you're welcome. Bye, Carol. Bye-bye. You know what, uh, Director, I know when I met you or talked to you, when I talked to you the first time, you did talk to me about something that is very 
near and dear to my heart, and that would be retention. Retaining talented people with disabilities as they're brought in because that's really what makes the difference is when people with disabilities will be moved up and moved up into leadership roles. And, of course, that cannot happen if we do not have that retention. Um, in your area, what other initiatives do you have in reference to retention? Well, you know, um, my commitment is not only just to hire people with disabilities, but as you say, it, my commitment is to retaining those employees. When we hire an employee, that is actually bring that individual on board. We've already made a serious investment in that individual. So we need to be sure that we keep them, that we've made the right decision, and now we need to keep them. So that we need to do through training and providing them opportunities for engagement and uh, act, and certainly opportunities uh, to move up within the system. And so what we're doing is, uh, is making sure that the federal government is seen as an inclusive environment where everyone can contribute to their full potential. And the president's uh, second-term management agenda has focused in on not only the hiring pieces, but how do we engage and include our uh, all of our employees in the work that they do and the guy and the goals that we're uh, directed towards as a total federal workforce <coughs> excuse me we are uh, we're working one of the, some one of the things we're doing is a candidate development program so that we're making sure that people with disabilities actually have an opportunity to join in the senior executive service and making sure that the onboarding process within the senior executive service is one that is inclusive and engaging and really addresses the needs of many people who are entering this uh, this management level, this executive level, and making sure that they're feeling like we've done everything we could to support them and bring them on board. The other thing that we're building, doing is building pipelines. Uh, we've got an agreement now with Gallaudet University uh, that ex supports uh, pipelines to advancement and career opportunities for deaf and hard of hearing uh, by providing uh, education and skills in a bilingual learning environment. Um, the courses are taught in American Sign Language and English. And now some of our employees can take their courses, federal employees can take courses through our Center for Leadership Management and be awarded academic credit toward a Gaidet MPA. So those are the kind of partnerships that are really important and, and become models uh, to the nation and employers uh, throughout the country. You know, we provide training to more than 10,000 federal employees regarding uh, diversity and inclusion and the Schedule A hiring authority. We're also holding leadership accountable for the knowledge they gain by including an element of diversity and inclusion in managers and supervisors' performance plans. So it's not enough just to say you're doing it. You have to uh, actually document you're doing it, and the metrics are important. We've also helped um, agencies and affinity groups develop mentoring programs and career development programs. And, of course, uh, a large encouragement and provided guidelines um, and assisted agencies in creating employee resource groups. You know, I couldn't be more committed to uh, ensuring that people with disabilities continuously receive needed accommodations 
I know how important that is. Uh, the, uh, a person with disabilities needs to feel included every day. And if we make the right accommodations and provide them opportunities uh, to feel included within the workplace, they will stay and that investment will be good for us. Uh, an example is that we worked uh, closely with the Department of Defense Computer Electronic Accommodation Program and the Job Accommodation Network so that we could uh, increase the awareness of reasonable accommodations. So we advise uh, agencies on their policies and practices and we help them improve their reasonable accommodations uh, at their agencies and I know it makes a big difference for our employees. Wow, that that is awesome. Before I ask you the last couple of questions, Director, I think we have another caller on the line. Okay. Uh, yeah, caller, go ahead. Hello, uh, this is Mark Periello, uh, President at AAPD. Hey, Hi, Mark, how are you? Hello to both of you. How are you? I'm good. We're good. Nice. Um, well, I am just calling um, to say how excited I am about your leadership over at OPM, um, Director Archuleta. Um, you know, it is really heartening to have such a, a great ally um, heading that department. Um, it is so critical uh, for people with disabilities and other folks um, who are looking for employment in the federal sector. Um, and I'm also very excited that you will be joining us next week at our gala. Um, I am. We were yes. just talking about it. I need to know whether I need to go buy a fancy dress. Um, I think you, you, not too fancy. Business, I, business I, attire is going to do okay. the trick. Yep. Well, um, okay. Uh, but it should be a really, really wonderful night, um, and it will really showcase how AAPD works with the private sector, with our board members like Joyce Bender um, and community leaders um, to really come together um, and uh, advocate for all the various things that people with disabilities need and want um, to be full members and independent members of society. Um, so it should be a great night, um, and again, I'm just very excited about your leadership. I'm looking forward to it, Mark. And, Mark, thank you for your leadership also. Thank you for really moving us forward, and you know what I call AAPD Gala. Absolutely, but um, I think you should share it with everyone. The Academy Awards of the Disability Community. Ah, and you'll see I what I mean, it. Director, when you're there. And I okay. can't wait to be there. I can't wait to see you, Mark. All right, I can't wait to see you both. Okay, thank, thank you, you for Mark. calling in. Bye. Uh, you know, Director, wow, this show's going fast. Maybe it's because so many people are calling in here. Actually, I can't take everyone that's calling in, or we wouldn't be able to talk to you. So I do have a couple last questions. You know, even when I hear you on the show today, you're not only are you delightful and refreshing and confident, but you can tell you truly have passion for civil rights issues. And fortunately, that includes people like me, um, and by the way, thank you on behalf of all people with disabilities for everything you're doing for us. I can't begin to tell you how much that means to me and to all of us. But as I mentioned, you, you know, with your energy and your passion, you must have had someone who impact you um, throughout your career, someone who inspired you. So I have to ask you, who is your role model? Oh, you know, um, I'm a little bit different in this, uh, and maybe because I'm Latina, and 
and because I, you probably share the same thing, I always look to my own family um, mm-hmm. in terms of the inspiration. I came from a very, very poor family. We lived in public housing um, when I was quite young, and and um, what's what's really wonderful about that experience is that I think it makes you very humble uh, in terms of uh, of how your career develops because you understand what opportunity really is. So I would say that there are two people in particular uh, that are very um, very important to me in terms of role modeling. And the first one is my mother. My mother um, was, uh, was born in the San Luis Valley, and she only spoke Spanish. Um, and in that time when she was a young girl, uh, education was not valued for uh, women, and so my grandfather, even though he was a school board member, uh, yanked her out of school at the, in the fifth grade. So my mother uh, went through her adult life uh, as uh, someone who, who knew how to read, knew how to write, but not very well in either, and it was very, very troubling to her. And at the age of 57, after raising six kids, my mom went back to school very quietly. And one day she came to us and showed us this certificate. None of us were aware of it. And she had gotten her GED. Oh. And it was just such a touching moment because she had made sure that we went to school and that we graduated and I was well on to my career. And there uh, was this just this smiling, wonderful woman with a high school degree, uh, so proud of what she had done. And I think, you know, that drive and that commitment, never losing sight of it, is what is so inspirational about her. And I'd have to say that still staying in my family, um, I'm inspired every day by my daughter, Graciela. You know, it, it takes a lot to be a young person, a successful young person today, uh, but my daughter had the additional challenge of having ovarian cancer. And that every day she gets up with a bright smile now and knows that, you know, her life may not be quite the same as she imagined it, but it, she is so hopeful and so uh, excited about the work that she does as a teacher, actually in the same school I taught, on, taught in in Denver. Um, and uh, with young people from uh, third graders from um, the one of the Denver's poorest communities. And I just learned last night that the mayor has appointed her as the youngest member of the community health board for Denver hospitals, which is our public hospital. So here is this young, just unbelievable woman who is taking on a role, a leadership role in her community at a very young age. So... I have both spectrums. I've got my mom, who is inspirational throughout my life, and now my daughter, who's teaching me every day. Wow. You know what? That's a great story you just told. For young people, I know a lot of young people with disabilities listen to the show, and I hope that you've listened to the director. You know, a lot of people meet people uh, like director Archuleta, you know, an Obama appointee, and they just think, wow, look at them. They're so lucky. Look how they got this. But what they don't know is where they started. And I think that is really a great story, so thank you for sharing that, Director. Thank you, Joyce. You know what? I I have something I can't forget. 
you actually have a wonderful leader from the disability community in your office, and that would be Michael Murray. Oh, you know that Michael Murray. He I love so, him. I know. Everybody he is, does. He is very, not just me, he is very embraced by the disability community. I mean, almost every disability community leader I met, meet knows Michael Murray, and I also appreciate all the work that he is doing, helping you as you, you know, move forward, uh, helping people with disabilities. You know, he is, uh, he has, since the first day I came in to office, has jumped at the opportunity to teach me and to support me, and I am uh, absolutely thrilled to have him on my team, and I know that he is helping and working within the disability community every day, so uh, we're honored to have him here. Yes, and the other person that I think very highly of is Veronica, Veronica Villalobos. She is a phenomenal leader. She, too, has been behind us from the very beginning. Actually, that is who allowed us to be working with Michael, but she has been uh, just always available to me, always there for me, a tremendous leader. You know, what's great about uh, Veronica is that uh, when I came in, I said diversity and inclusion is going to be one of my priorities. And her eyes lit up and she said, uh, I'm, I'm there 100%. And since that time, that very first day, she has helped in developing my strategies and my outreach on diversity and inclusion. And as we begin our strategic planning on diversity and inclusion with every community, uh, she has been front and center in that and working with my team. So I'm very, val- I'm very lucky to have both Veronica and Michael on my team. Uh, uh, I am uh, thrilled that they can be here and that they're examples of the new leadership that is coming up behind us. Uh, uh, these are what I call myself an elder. Uh, they're coming behind us, and they will be the new leadership of federal service. Yes. And great leaders they will be. Well, Director, you know, you have already accomplished so much in your life. Uh, Look at you now. Look at what you've done. But if you had to focus on one thing that you felt was your greatest accomplishment, what would that be? You know, I would have to say that it's this job. Um, No one imagines that you grow up in, uh, you know, the west side of Denver and, and that you would become... Uh, someone who is uh, serving the president, directly serving the president of the United States. You know, every time I go on to the White House grounds, I think, wow, you know, it just is a sense of awe that I have. And every time I meet with people who are leaving, who are leading the free world, and then if you think about it, what, you know, here's an opportunity uh, for me, but the responsibility is great. We're the largest employer in the United States, and I have the opportunity to lead that agency. So I am I'm thrilled to be here. It's an incredible accomplishment for uh, a girl from the West Side, but uh, I am so honored to be here and, and pleased to have the opportunity to do so. Well, Director, we are more than pleased to have you, and I just want to tell everyone in the disability community, I know we're getting to the end of the show right now, but please... Embrace Director Archuleta in our community. She is the real deal. And, Director, thank you again for being with us. 
My pleasure, Joyce. I hope to see you soon. I'll see you next week. That's right. And we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. And today, it has to be former Congressman Tony Coelho, when talking about people with disabilities, said, work, work gives us dignity. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.